it is time to tune up the band and bleep, bleep. And I quote, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chin Wag podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. But this week, we are joined in our journey by the genius behind wrestling with fiction. It's Connor! I mean, I wouldn't call myself a genius, but sure, hi! <laughs> you we wouldn't are... call ourselves that either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just think I'm stupid enough to try. <laughs> that, that, that Again, is... yeah. accurate for us. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, chaps. How are we all doing today? It's been an absolutely weird-ass week in my corner of the world where yeah. I have done my work looked at my schedule and was like, oh, I don't have work for two weeks. Oh, wow. I got nothing. But it's good because, Damn. you know, very soon it's going to be my birthday time. So we got Hell that yeah. going on. Wait, when is your birthday? Um, I cannot tell you that information on the <laughs> but... <laughs> but it is soon. It is soon. And I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the break. But otherwise, no, I am all good. So basically, Connor, I've really just told you that if I tell you, I'll have to kill you. <laughs> That's oh, fair. absolutely. That's fair. It and stays that... off the record. I'm off the record. Just, hey, my birthday's next month, and I'm looking forward to it. So nice. Yes, yes, yes. So, so how are you, Connor? How are you doing? I am. I am excited. I'm nervous. I'm excited and nervous. It's it's a wild time for me in yeah. my life. <laughs> no, it's. It, I mean, I'm sure. Oh, sorry, Connor. <laughs> oh no, I, I was about to say I'm sure we'll get into it, but <laughs> <laughs> the nervousness. Yes, yeah. I think we're all feeling nervous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but oh. uh, no, it's been a wild week as well, just in general for me, because now I've got some interesting things coming up. There is the potential of me working once more with our dear friend Joseph, so keep an eye out for that. Hey. Hell yeah. And yeah, it's 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 been really cool. I'm really looking forward to some of the things that are going to come up in like the like immediate future, because I've been showing you, you two, uh, what I've been coming up with, and needless to say, I'm quite excited for what's. Oh yeah, happen. well, there's a there's, as, I mean, <laughs> without foreshadowing too much, there's there's quite a bit of interesting stuff going on over. <laughs> at, um, are we calling it Chinwag Towers? I don't know. I don't know if we've used that before. I think Chinwag Towers. There's interesting, there's interesting stuff happening, period. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. As ever, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and always be pending other platforms. You know, guys, I have received an email that states the following, that we are always pending and will always be pending <laughs> and i quote <laughs> i feel like i should keep like like in post maybe future sam listening on this i should just keep adding constant bleeps all the time <laughs> if you want to if you want to remind people about how that how that sound was and how it was the bane of people's existence watching the show at the time fair enough that will probably end up being the most unpopular episode <laughs> that we've ever made <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get on with our episode all about the anonymous Raw General Manager, it is time to visit Dan for this week's Wrestling News. Dun 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 dun! Oh no. And I quote, 
wrestling news. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh. We committed to the gimmick today. Oh, <laughs> I deleted that email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael Colden. Oh, uh, but no, let's start off with the week review. And let's be honest, the week review is kind of the, the big chunk of stuff happening right now. Mm. Um, once again, the discourse around Raw continues. Uh, around it being a largely forgettable show. Um, not really a whole lot happening, but there still are some kind of interesting developments. Um, the slowly developing tag team between uh, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor, uh, which is super interesting. Mm. Um, and obviously the fact of Bobby Lashley as champion still staying relatively strong, at least in the grand scale, but in the micro scale, he's taken three losses in like a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing when you think about the most the most over person, the most booked person on Raw this week was Reginald. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, but the but the thing is though, right? So we're talking about that, and hey, look, it came just after our episode on our truth. <laughs> That's some, that's that's some synergy that's, right there. Our truth versus Reginald for the twenty four seven title was the most viewed f- clip of Raw on YouTube. Wow! It stands currently at two point five million views, but the rest of Raw was averaging about half a million. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. This is the most I've ever liked Reginald. <laughs> that's like, for true. Like, legitimately, <laughs> like I. I can't remember a single thing that Reginald has done this past year. Except yes. him holding this 24-7 title actually feels like the most important thing he's done. <laughs> okay, I I want them to go all the way with this, okay? I want to see him running from people doing parkour across backstage. I want him to flip over a truck. I, I want everything. I just want them to go I just belt. want them to go full on and just be like, oh you're in suck this away. Okay then. How can we integrate a trapeze into this? <laughs> Somewhere John Morrison's going, I could have done that. That should do oh, hey. <laughs> Yo. Don't let this ever take away. Johnny Mundo, Lucha Underground, did the um, did the dive over the top rope in the jeans. It was wild. Yeah, he did indeed. Um, but like that's that's the thing. It is clearly this is what people want to see out of Raw. <laughs> as absurd as that statement is, what reality are we living in where Reginald is the is the is the most talked about Reginald guy? Reginald is the a flagged... confirmed draw. It's the is the the main draw of the flagship show of WWE. <laughs> I mean, because like uh, as other people that um, I spoke to and interact with on like various Discord servers and stuff. Um, uh, Quoting uh, a friend of mine here, um, Goldberg versus Lashley is WWE being like, I know you want <laughs> Lesnar versus Lashley, but here's our own version. <laughs> it's just as good. We have Lesnar Lashley at home. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> and I mean, the, again, the thing is, is that we're looking at Bobby Lashley now, and we're like, well, he's taken, what, three losses in kind of recent weeks? Mm. Um, and the thing is, obviously, he has been largely protected over this time. Mm. But then, you know, 
as people always say, like carrying losses going towards a pay-per-view or hell, just the champion just kind of losing on an edition of Raw is never normally a good sign. <laughs> but like, let's be real, Lashley's kind of been one of the most consistent things about Raw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, oh, what was it? oh yeah, Karrion Cross as well actually had a victory. Oh yeah, in such a in, in a in a weird throwaway match against Keith Lee when it was uh, I believe it was supposed to be Jeff, but unfortunately he it, he tested well, positive. It was supposed to be Jeff. Jeff Hardy tested positive for COVID, but we also know the original plan was that Karrion Cross was to lose to Jeff Hardy again. <laughs> so, oh, he's Cross. He's Cross. He's Karrion Cross. Yeah. So I don't know what that says that they brought in Keith Lee and were like, "Okay, kid, you're gonna lose." Um, but I I genuinely don't know what the thing with Karrion Cross is now. I don't know. Whatever storyline they were trying to tell has had to be rerouted, um, and whatever they were trying to tell in the first place, I have no idea. <laughs> Please, answers on a postcard, WWE creatives. What was your Again, reminder, intention? he is still the NXT champion. <laughs> speaking um, of... <laughs> yeah, speaking of NXT champion, over to NXT, where, again, I continually uh, enjoying the show. Genuinely still lots of good stuff to keep me engaged. And I feel like they've struck a good balance between the in-ring action and the backstage segments now. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the major bit of it. Samoa Joe resigning as the in the enforcer to william regal re-signing as in-ring talent and then signing the contract for his, for a match against carry and cross at the next takeover i mean let's be honest that's not going to look great on his cv isn't it i've caught like no. a, like this block of time where he's been fired hired rehired fired and re-hired. i mean i mean to be fair like it, it's been in the middle of a pandemic i'm sure any employer will understand that you know you'd hope <laughs> He's hope. He's hope. And also, Samoa Joe can just Samoa and drop him through a table. And, you know. That's true. Well, I was going to say, my favorite thing about it was that he just walks out to the ring with William Regal and just looks him dead in the eye and goes, I resign. I now re-sign a new contract. Give me a match. <laughs> Could you imagine doing that in a workplace? It's like, I want a promotion. No, you're not having the promotion. All right, I've, I, I, I quit. <laughs> oh, wait, come back. All right, I've resigned. <laughs> Could you imagine, right? You're working somewhere and you're, and you're there, right? You go in and you're like, I want to change my role. And they're like, no. So you go, okay, I quit. And then hand in an application form for the new role all in one hour. <laughs> Man, I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta be as ballsy as Samoa Joe nowadays <laughs> if I ever get a job. That's just, mm, I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of an energy I like. <laughs> I mean, that's, can, can you blame the guy? The chaos around all of yeah. it. Why would you want to be a bodyguard for that place? Exactly. Like, like you have wrestlers turning into butlers. You have like tag teams breaking up all of a sudden i I'm, I'm not against samoa joe just deciding you know what this is self-preservation I... mode yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it was it sooner is. or later you would have had to have crossed paths with dexter loomis and i would have been like yeah i'm not working here anymore yeah. <laughs> like, like like it is quite it is basically fist of the north star out there so well wow. the thing with dexter the thing with dexter loomis is is i it, 
the way I always frame stuff in my head is that everyone is just like okay with him being there and they're like, oh cool, welcome to NXT. There's scary Dave. Just like leave him to his own stuff and you'll be fine. <laughs> just just Lewis in a corner just drawing stuff and then he just has Yeah, to- he's just sitting in the he's just sitting in the corner with like an easel up and then like why is he painting? I'm like, just let him do his thing. If you leave him alone, he won't bother you. <laughs> Don't provoke now, him, whatever you now, say. Now, over to our training area. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, talking of Dexter Loomis, we have, again, the next continuation in the greatest wrestling story of this year, the Index storyline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of which we are getting the love... Is it the love or leave match? I, I believe so. <laughs> well, it's like it, I, I think it's love or leave. I already on Twitter. I already made a, a niche puro joke, which which Sam liked. Um, so I'll leave you to find that. Um, if you get it, fantastic. If you don't, then okay. Um, but in a weird way, I've actually genuinely kind of enjoyed this storyline. <laughs> Same. It's I, so dumb. <laughs> I like it. Who doesn't like dumbness in their wrestling? Yeah. Yes. You gotta um, have you gotta you give, gotta have the serious. Give me sh- give me schlocky romance storylines. Hell yes, because who doesn't want to fall in love with a complete psychopath? <laughs> you know what? Out real quick, I've just remembered how like what, the last time we saw like a good the last time well I, I said good the last time we saw a wrestling a wedding storyline in wrestling was Lana. That's yeah. weird. That's weird. Yeah, that is true. I mean, the last romance storyline we had was Otis and Mandy Rose, which wasn't which wasn't bad. It was actually a pretty good storyline. Pretty good, pretty good, solid, solid. Um, but no, I I like this, and now we're having Dexter Loomis versus Johnny Gargano over whether or not Dexter Loomis can date Indy Hartwell. There've been weird that's stipulations. What, that's what the match is about. <laughs> there have if been Dexter weird. wins, then then. Him and Indy can date. Ah, <laughs> oh, man! If only, if only, if only all romantic interests ended with a oh, wrestling match, eh? Wrestling, my, <laughs> wrestling. My my real question is: is that if Dexter Loomis wins, are we gonna get like a Romeo Juliet type of storyline where Indy? Meets oh, one hundred percent. Family. Oh, are we gonna get Johnny Gargano is gonna try and destroy the relationship and end up destroying his own family. A plague for both your houses. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, I'm thinking of I'm just now I'm just thinking of who the hell would be Mercutio in that who would Isaiah that Swerve Scott no <laughs> no um <laughs> alright now this is a niche in the market anyone that's listening to this that wants to take up this idea Shakespeare but through wrestling I real talk. I imagine like if they'd done it, I imagine like Johnny Gargano, jo- like Johnny Gargano would do a fucking killer wrestling Macbeth, <laughs> wrestling fun. wrestling theater. Right? Anyone that's anyone that's listening, to you, you can take this idea as long as you give us royalties. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would watch this. This is a shit. this is a free idea for anyone out there. Any independent companies do wrestling theater. <laughs> I would watch this shit. And you'll have at least three people that want to watch it. I will, like, someone make Wrestling Sweeney Todd. I will be there day one. (laughs) 
I would no, no, I'd, I'd definitely watch that. <laughs> I know. Uh, continuing with NXT, we had the continuation of Hit Row, just basically just being really fucking cool. <laughs> Goddamn, they really fucking are. <laughs> they really are. They really are. I mean, I just think when you can't have one cool thing, you have two cool things. Malcolm freaking Bivens being Malcolm freaking Bivens. Dude, Malcolm Bivens is money. It's, so it's like the, it's is. like it's like the, I think it was the tweet that Sean Ross App did where he's like, "Oh wow, what a surprise! Malcolm Bivens is great in interviews." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> I don't know who needed to know this fact. <laughs> I feel like I don't know if it was just me with that though. I feel maybe it's because Roddy has been has been gone a while, um, and he's just had a time to recoup and then have the whole diamond mine thing. I felt like he's slightly regressed in his promos slightly that's not only slightly though because roddy was a lot of people's complaints about roddy is that he's a good wrestler but he can't talk but i'd i'd say to anyone who says that go watch his stuff in pwg um but roddy here is a good talker but i just felt i don't know he seemed a bit a bit stilted i think i think the thing is is that in his time in nxc he hasn't really had many opportunities to mm. Because it was basically when he when he was in UE, it was basically always Adam Cole talking for the group. True. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had if he's had a bunch of time where he hasn't really had the opportunity to actually do promos. <laughs> Which is probably why it's a good idea to pair up with Billings, actually. Yeah. Um. But uh, again, continuation of that hit row Legado del Fantasma storyline. It's all looking pretty damn great. Uh, and we had a re- the return of Ridge Holland, the Yorkshire Lesnar. <laughs> I'm glad he uh, managed to come back after such a horrific. So injury. happy, so happy he's able to come back now. Um, and I guess really just kind of figure out where where that storyline was going to go in go in the first place because it was kind of framed to be. Um, was it- yeah, McAfee's now on SmackDown. Yeah. Um, but we still have Pete Dunne, uh, Birch, and Lorcan. And I guess Ridge Holland is now joining them as well. And I guess they'll be their own separate entity. I mean, hell, Pete Dunne and um, Ridge Holland teaming together as a tag team is pretty damn great. I'd, I'd be up for it. I'd be up for it. For so- oh, could you imagine a dream fantasy booking? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm slowly crawling into Connor's territory here. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> be careful. You're getting into gimmick infringement. I was going to say, who would be the better uh, uh, tag team or a singles batch of who's the better Peaky Blinder, Anthony Agogo or Ridge Holland? <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> they start their own game. Because <laughs> yes. the, like, the thing I said was right. <laughs> Do we just see this group employed and it's just Pete Dunne uh, Danny Birch and Ridge Holland just kick out Oni Logan because he's not British. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're, just, they're just like, I'm sorry, you need to leave. <laughs> I mean, it checks out for the nationality. I mean, you know, Brits, we all know we're incredibly xenophobic. Uh... <laughs> I didn't come to be attacked like this. <laughs> they're just like, just like, get him. He's not British. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just remind- but no, like I said, NXT is going going strike to strike. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get into uh, SmackDown. Uh, a bit of a confusing ending segment where. <laughs> uh, so we were due to have Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. 
But then John Cena came out and signed the contract, and now it's Cena versus Reigns at SummerSlam. It's—I swear to God, it's that—it's that—it's that same setup in like, for WrestleMania 20 when HBK superkicked Stephen Richards, and then he signed the contract. Yeah, Stephen like, Richards. You know, it's funny how literally, like, all you can, all you have to do. Is just sign the damn contract and then you're in it no matter what. Like it's the fucking, like it's the number two headband. It's just, it's it's just like it's just like the company are just like he signed it. There's literally nothing we can do right now. Yeah, like I would love for someone to. I would love in one storyline where someone did that and the other wrestler was like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna see you in court." Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it just like it's just like the GM comes out and just goes, "This contract is no longer legally binding." <laughs> yeah, like honestly, if I'm Balor, I'd be annoyed at Cena right now because his name has to be in that contract, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, that's yeah. the thing. It has it has Finn Balor's name as the signatory, and then Cena just gets a fucking marker out, goes over it, and just writes Cena in big bold letters and signs it. And I'm like, that's not how contracts work. On the other hand, it would be hilarious if the only way that this works is that John Cena now has to has to actively wrestle as Finn Balor. For like a solid month. John, on the John, John Cena does the coup de gras. <laughs> <laughs> we get Demon John Cena. Yeah. Oh, Demon <laughs> John Cena. Demon John Cena. <laughs> Finally, after so many years, he embraces the hate. Yeah. <laughs> Kane just comes out with its Hall of Fame yeah. ring. <laughs> like, like Kane just comes out on stage and goes, I fucking told you. <laughs> I played a long game, boys. <laughs> oh, I almost spat my water out of that. Uh, again, I, I love wrestling. <laughs> um we had the weird continuation of this Baron Corbin storyline. I'm not going to pretend like I know where this is going. Mm. Um, all I all I can say is that John Cena technically beat up a man who's fallen on hard times, which is, I think, the most babyface thing ever. <laughs> really does sum up John Cena. As, <laughs> yeah. as baby- John, John Cena, babyface, beats up man who's, who's going through trouble in his life. John Cena is truly the babyface that acts like a fucking heel God. all the time. No, when you think about it, John Cena really is the personification of capitalism in that one moment, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, he really is. Do you remember in that? There's one of the previous episodes we did, and I remember it was it was like a whole spiel that me and Reardon got into, which is that John Cena is the face of what WWE wants to be and wants to represent, yeah. <laughs> but it isn't. <laughs> yeah, John John Cena is 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 slowly maybe not even slowly john cena is the homelander of the wwe (laughs) the only person that comes close to that title is cody Rhodes, which we will get into later yes (laughs) um but also uh things to be looking out for things like the intercontinental title scene apollo cruz has lost i believe six matches since becoming our intercontinental champion um in heaven what a stat. Um, I hope that whoever wins it afterwards um, gets more appreciation because they're 
Because by God, the mid card scene on SmackDown is far and away above uh, Raw's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, far, far, far and away above Raw's. Although, to no, be fair, no, you know, there are there are there are people in that mid card that really should be on the upper card. But you know, we'll we'll save yeah. that discussion for another time. Yes. Um, we had we had Chad Gable versus Reginald. Again, and we, and we finally found out that Reginald was not in fact French, but from St. Louis, Missouri. Yes, he's also he he's also not a trained sommelier, and he just said that to get the job, which I I approve. Yeah, good job. Who was going to doubt him? I appreciate gonna, the hustle. I mean, in, a, in WWE as well, you could just get any job. Hmm? All right, I'm going to get heat with all the sommeliers that watch this show. Watch, listen. I know my product, <laughs> but I can't lie. I always feel like it's one of those jobs that I, I, I feel like you could fake it and people wouldn't really know the difference. Oh, great. I, uh, we're going to get so many tweets. Jesus. <laughs> we probably will. Look, right. I'm sure someone can prove me wrong. And I'm sure there's a bunch of training and expertise that goes into it. But like when you see it in movies, it always seems like they're taking the piss out of you. I think you guys need better media representation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, him just being like, "Yeah, I just said I was a sommelier, and then they gave me the job to work with Carmel." I'm just like, "Okay, go on, King." <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I would, I would do that. I would absolutely do that. Yeah. Still though, it was actually pretty great, and I, I, you're gonna hear some fabled words out of this mouth. Oh. They ain't doing too bad with Otis. Here we go. Oh. You've cursed it. You've done no, it. No, they've... Okay, right, he's on SmackDown, so I have faith. Okay. SmackDown can actually write a decent character. True. They've basically just... I mean, they've they've basically gone to, like, the old-school archetype of just a big guy who is just an app... Who is just, like, his job is, I'm going to throw you around this ring and just do shoulder blocks and, like, just put you down to the ground. And it works. It works. It's, just, it's not a bad character. It's just a shame that him and Chad Gable are being stuck down in like stupid positions. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, it sucks that Chad Gable is being treated as a lower card wrestler, Lamau. <sighs> That's fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, yeah, we also saw Sasha Banks return. Yes, we also did. It's boss time, everybody. <laughs> it is boss time. <laughs> It Michael is. Cole was so excited to say it's boss time. You could hear it in his voice. It's one of the five things he knows how to say. <laughs> With oh my and could it be by any chance. Yes. Uh, oh. oh my, could it be? It's boss time. Vintage Sasha Banks. Oh no. Man, we're putting out all the we're playing all the uh plays in the uh yeah, <laughs> the Michael Cole play. We've got all the classics. We're gonna, we're gonna get into it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we will. It's the obvious one. <laughs> yeah, <Adult>. like yeah. <laughs> that, like that, that, that will be gone to later. <laughs> but um, no, great to see Sasha Banks. Um, as the guys over at Damn It Vince pointed out, um, lots of great little bits that they included with her entrance. Um, and like when we've sat, when uh, Bianca's music was playing as well, just like throwing in those moments attention to detail who know who knew it made a product better <laughs> who knew but no it, it, it was genuinely great to see great to have her back in the ring um gonna be a big addition to smackdown um 
I hope WWE doesn't get too focused on that whole, you know, Sasha Bianca thing, mm. just because I am always worried that they are just going to do the modern thing, which is just beat the rivalry to death. <laughs> See Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. <laughs> um, and as much with that feud, I like the whole, you know, you and I are destined to do this forever thing. Mm. Um, when you just keep making them have matches for the sake of it, it loses its, it loses its shine. <laughs> but no, we can ex- we can expect great things, and I am just so ready for where the SmackDown Women's Division is going to go. And look at them in a in a prominent position, mm. like they should be. Yeah. But now let's go over to AEW. Oh. And seeing as we brought up Cody earlier, we're going to start off with Cody, <laughs> which is the great moment. <laughs> of Malachi Black just kicking Cody in the face when he was about to start his promo. (laughs) I mean, if you don't mind me interrupting, are are you sure that was a Cody Rhodes segment? Because to me, that that wasn't the most important thing about this segment. (laughs) I know what's coming. It was that my boy, Fuego Del Sol. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Made his AEW Dynamite debut. And may I say, it was glorious. The best sell of the black mask that we've had in AEW to this day. And he got a hard shot on the camera. I have screenshotted it on my phone. Yeah. Oh, it's a glorious image. <laughs> oh, is it? I haven't seen that. It really is. <laughs> but I, I just love the moment of <clears throat> Cody just starting his promo with literally with the words inner world and just immediately getting kicked in the head and just being shut up because I was like, I get I, I in my head I'm like <laughs> Malachi was protecting us from another long-winded Cody promo. <laughs> where he exactly. talks about where he where he talks about being the son of a son of a plumber and how he upholds American values and how he loves his wife and his children. Thank goodness that Malachi is the baby face in this one, isn't he? Isn't it? Oh, mate. <laughs> Did you see that ma- did you see that match announcement graphic? Yes. Yep. Oh. Talk about on the nose. <laughs> oh. oh, by the way, for anyone who really wants to listen to the to the master that is Fuego Del Sol, go listen to Connor's most recent episode of Wrestling With Fiction. <laughs> That's what recommendation Corner was for. <laughs> well, you fool. But um, no, it 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 was gen- it was generally great. Um, again, great opening match. Um, oh, what as opening match? First off, that entrance magical. Everything it needed to do. The, you know, I'm going to use a fancy word here. The <laughs> juxtaposition of the Dark Order presenting themselves seriously and the Elite being all silly, wacky, woohoo, haha. Yeah. To. It's just so of course, the moment of the extra spotlight for Mr. Brody Lee yeah, yeah. killed me. Yeah. Um, and them coming to the ring, and that moment of like waiting to see if Hangman was going to do the Dark Order sign. Them coming to the ring, Hangman being like, "No, I want to be the first one in the ring to go." Um, all the crazy spots, all the crazy moments. Oh. In a match that was supposed to set up, of course, the continuing storyline of Omega and Paige, boy, did Stu Grayson steal the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. 
Like, Dude, even... Stu, Stu Grayson and John Silver absolutely bossed that match. Shout out to Evil Uno as well, because he did some good work in that match. I am so looking forward to the redemption story of Evil Uno when he eventually wins the tag championships with Stu Grayson. It's going to be so good. <laughs> <clears throat> but, oh, fantastic match. Just fantastic no, fan, match. Fan, fantastic match. Mm. Um, I still reserve some of my thoughts around the Young Bucks and some of the booking towards the latter end. Correct. But, I, I you agree. know, I feel like that's more of a general thing around AEW and the Bucks' time in AEW. <laughs> Agreed. It's amazing, isn't it? I, as, as I know, a lot of people will probably have a go at me because I named them the Tag Team of the Year last year, but I can change opinion. A lot can happen in six, seven months. Yeah, Trust it, me, it, a lot has happened. It's not, it's not a problem of the match. It's a symptom of a larger thing. <laughs> Indeed. That's 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 the way to, that, I, that I would put it. Um... <laughs> Still a little bit disappointed about the kind of limit on the women's exposure on Dynamite. Yeah. Um, kind of being kept to that one match, Thunder Rosa and Julia Hart. Uh, again, not a bad match. Thunder Rosa's amazing. We, we already know that. We already, we already know Thunder Rosa's amazing because her um, name is Thunder Rosa. <laughs> again, like we're talking about how she should genuinely be... Well, I think she's realistically in contention for that AEW women's title very soon. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of other great women's talent as well that are coming through. Um, potentially, while she's on excursion, we could see Yuka Sakazaki pick it up. Um, she's on excursion for a year. She might be returning for next year as well. Wrestling Freddie Mercury. You just <laughs> you just love it. Um as well as now um Emmy Sakura has gone over to uh, AEW for a year. Nice. Um so super interested to see how that's gonna work out. Another great veteran addition for their women's division. Mm. Um I believe Camille from NWA is supposed to be making an appearance, but she hasn't done done anything contractually. It'll be interesting um, to see. <laughs> But it'll be interesting to see how she meshes with it. Um, and of course, don't forget all the other great women's talent. Nyla Rose slowly coming back into the title fold um, as well. But I, again, I hope that there's more exposure. And I don't really like as much this idea about how like they're saying like, oh, Rampage is going to be the more women, it's going to have more women's match on it when they're kind of selling it as a B show, not a companion show. Yeah. Again, it's a symptom of a much larger problem. <clears throat> Indeed, indeed. Oh, can we talk about someone making an appearance? A, a, un, an unexpected and very surprised appearance from the ace. From the ace himself. Yeah. Dude, I was about, about to get into that. Hiroshi Tanahashi staking his claim for the IWGP US title, one of the titles he hasn't held in New Japan <laughs> due to face uh, Lance Archer for it. Uh, I believe the next AEW pay per view. I love this, just the, the 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 swagger of Tanahashi going. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm the ace of New Japan. I saved them from the dark times, which means, which means I could go for any title I pretty much want. And I like the one you're carrying, Lance Archer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, to be fair, I feel like if you're Tanahashi, you can basically just go to New Japan management and be like, "Give me this," and then like. I think we kind of have to. <laughs> I mean, with Tanahashi's hair, will you say no to that? See, that's also the point. And that's why... He does have about 12 abs. <laughs> and he's also in his 40s. Is this the reason why people love Tanahashi more than Cena? <laughs> Possibly? Excuse me, Cena does not exude himbo energy. 
that is Tanahashi potentially does that depending on true. who you ask <laughs> all I'm saying is if you see him in, in the picture where he's doing baking and wearing an apron you know what I mean no, no I know exactly what you mean <laughs> see you know what I mean um but let's get let's get to this main event because by god I was basically just excited the entire time <laughs> yeah again preface I know that deathmatch wrestling is not for everyone mm. but for me and uh, to to also an extent for Sam hello <laughs> we're gremlins <laughs> seeing seeing a deathmatch on national well, what is equivalent to national TV is mind-blowing to me and i am absolutely i find it crazy that we even got to see that and see a guy like nick gage get featured be given his moment on a big stage and he killed it absolutely i actually i uh, it's on the list of things to do but i from what i heard through the grapevine he started off a little bit nervy and then just remembered that he was nick gage yeah yeah basically I mean, mm. I, I'm not surprised for the guy, considering like you know you're on the main event of a mainstream wrestling show. You know, I, I like when people like I would be nervous too, even if I even if I was a, the madman that is Nick Gage. I mean, of course, we got to talk about a little bit about the well. You say controversy, I say uh, for the guy in the gallery is a stroke of genius with Nick Gage using a pizza cutter on Chris Jericho's head. After that, it immediately goes goes to a play-by-play with a Domino's pizza advert. <laughs> See, the thing is, right, there's a whole bunch of rumour around, around this that I'm just not going to entertain. Because mm-hmm. every every time I look at the story, it gets more and more convoluted with people saying, oh, people have fabricated... They fabricated an issue to mess with um advertisers and sponsorships and stuff like that yeah all i'm saying is right if i'm domino's pizza (laughs) i know it probably sounds stupid to kind of associate yourself with it but there's no way like the chances of that being accidental are like insane yeah It was and, too perfectly timed. Yeah, and if if so, that would be a definite. I would be running with that on Twitter. I don't. I'd be like, oh, okay, screw it. We're the, now the official. We are now the official pizza for Nick fucking Gage. <laughs> of course, PBR have been jumping back on it. PBR have going their whole advertising thing with GCW or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Like, I genuinely have no idea. I just one day around the whole Matt Cardona and Nick Gage stuff, PBR decided to turn up and just start tweeting at them. But <laughs> it's weird that we now we're living, we're living what, 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 seven months into 2021 and might be one of the greatest rivalries in American wrestling is between Domino's and Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, hell, they're like, I mean, if you want to put it in the way that it is, it's basically a company in PBR that I believe own. I can't remember who owns them. I want to say it might be Molson Coors. Hmm. Basically saying, "Hey, yeah, we'll put our we'll put our names to death matches," <laughs> and that's crazy to me because it, it's so for so long out. Well, at least outside of Japan, it's always just been seen as this like, you know, the absolute like basement dwelling part of yeah. wrestling. Yeah. 
uh, and now like more people are behind it than ever um, of course there's a bunch of people who are out here looking to do death matches for clout now which is you know great. how it is yeah fair um, play. Oh, so fair play to jericho for taking no, the punishment to jericho he took. for taking all of it yeah god damn i saw someone use light tubes on national tv <laughs> that makes me so damn happy <laughs> yeah it left a tear in my eye when I was like, oh, 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 it's light tube. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you, AEW. Thank you, we Tony have, Khan. We have, we have reached enlightenment. <laughs> yes. Wrestling prom- has the, evolved. <laughs> the promised land of seeing Chris fucking Jericho get hit by light tubes. <laughs> no, I, it's absolutely amazing. Obviously, the next labor was announced as being Juventud Guerrero. <laughs> Of all people, uh, love to see, Hoobie. love to see it. Um, I, I love it, it. No, it's great. It's, it, it's, it's a, such throwback. a throwback. Such a throwback. Um, as people were saying with that, all I'm saying is they had like three matches in ECW. Can we get Chris Jericho versus Two Cold Scorpio on AEW TV? Oh yo! Well, a sub. Give me that shit right now. <laughs> I I want that so bad for Labor Four. Although uh, someone joked then... about Labour 5, I won't repeat it because it made me go, ooh. <laughs> but I will let you guys know off recording what that fifth, what someone talked okay. about, what the fifth Labour should okay. be. Okay. I'm now, I'm now. See, I don't, I don't know if it's the meme one. It's the meme one. It's the oh, meme okay, one. Okay, then. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> if you want, if you want uh, the, the second running uh, option, then all I would say is, well. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing, um, Captain Insano. That'll be your uh, your your preface for that. But no, uh, AEW have been going strength to strength. Uh, they're just building each time, and it's genuinely impressive to see where they've gone, where they've taken wrestling, and where they've taken the concept of mainstream TV wrestling. And I'm so happy for it. You know what? It is. It's such a refreshing thing to see a mainstream American promotion not only doing well right off the bat, but being, you know, taking creative risks, being, you know, being, you know, ballsy enough to go, all right, let's just do something that's different and out of the box of what's been, you know, the established norm in wrestling. And that's, you know, it's been so good to see that. So good. Because if anything, it would should. You hope in theory it should make wwe take notice and go okay we're gonna have to step our game up and go back to well not go back but be the force that we used to be creatively and you know the the force that we were every week and every monday on raw you'd hope psych you thought <laughs> i guess the one thing i'd say the <clears throat> only thing at the moment i think about AEW that you could say you know probably this is a nitpick that's negative at the moment i feel they, I feel that maybe let their actions speak louder than their words, I'd say. Because sometimes mm. I feel that maybe they they talk a bit too much about WWE. Or is yeah. that just me? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, uh, although I will say that they do it less and less and, and less as time goes on. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's just kind of like a once you once you've like settled that like yes this company isn't do, isn't just going to disappear into the ether tomorrow <laughs> they get they gain more and more confidence. Yeah, I would say one thing they do need to do is they 
do need to take more action. Well, they need to take more action on their words because a lot of the time, you know, we see from press conferences like we're focusing more on our tag division, we're focusing more on our women's division, we're focusing more on this, more on that, and then it always kind of seems like well, nothing's happened. Yeah, and that's really a a point where if you're gonna, you know, really start building goodwill, mm. then that's going to have to be really be a point where you start especially when you have like you know your ev you have one of your evps who is in charge of the women's division and keep saying we're gonna improve this we're gonna try and make it better we're gonna try and you know up the up the booking percentage and you know the length of the matches and yet every time that's been said it's just nothing happens <laughs> <laughs> true true With that said, mm. sorry no, sorry, Kodav. As you were. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm cutting off too much, so... Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. So, with that said, I, I've been thinking about this all week because I've rewatched the Hangman Elite entrances mm. yeah. <clears throat> like 20 times the past three days. Yeah. Yes. Is like... this the best AEW Dynamite episode we've had so far? It's up there. Oh. Yeah, it's definitely it, up there. It feels like it, at least. I feel like the St. Patrick's Day episode, purely for that match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, is going to be very hard to beat. Because that match yeah, is... I, I think that's a yeah, once-in-a-lifetime are, are There are a couple other um, editions of Dynamite, which were, again, pretty much solid throughout... I would say this has certainly been one of the most memorable ones. Without question. Yeah. To me, this has felt like the most grandest episode of oh, yeah. we've ever had, especially with like the opening video package with Hangman, the stuff mm. of the Elite. It feels a lot like, you know what? The stuff that they've been trying to advertise, a revolution. Yeah. Because I'd, I'd argue the Hangman Omega entrances are the best entrances AEW's ever done. Mm. Mm-hmm. Again, almost definitely up there. Like I said, they, they've kind of created this thing of making editions of Dynamite almost feel like a miniature pay-per-views. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pay-per-view feel on, a, on you know, a, a free TV show, you know, if you have cable. Makes you wonder why WWE have never really gone to that idea, because it's... No, it's monthly, pay- it month- <laughs> monthly pay-per-views all the time, every time, and you've got to pay, like, $29 for them each. Or the network, of course. Well, that's yeah. if you live in, in the UK, then. Well, to be fair, other, other thing, apparently Peacock might... Well, what, some version of the thing like Peacock might be coming to the UK. Oh, no. Oh, so, no. I have no idea how that's going to work, and I have no idea how um, it's going to work in relation to BT's exclusive ownership of WWE to broadcast in the UK. It's going to work poorly, and a fight is going to Oh, it's absolutely going to work horrifically. With that, though, we've done with the news. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Reardon, do you have a recommendation for this week's Recommendation Corner? Mm, I actually have... um, There are a few things that are coming up, actually, that I just think that people should attempt to keep their eye on. <laughs> I had less than recommendation. Um, there is one thing that has come up, that's come up on my, um, on my radar, which I'm going to be taking a look on, is Reservation Dogs. Ah, I've heard about this. Okay. Yeah, which is a um, which is a TV show from um, Sterling Harjo. I'm probably pronouncing that all mm-hmm. wrong, but and 
and our boy Taika Waititi about <laughs> yeah. yes about shot in Oklahoma and the the cast directors and the writers room are made entirely of indigenous people from from the good old US of A. So I'm keeping my damn eye on that, mm. especially considering um, I have now made some some friends who are Native American. And so I'm actually finally getting like some insight into that part of the world. So keep an eye on that. It sounds pretty damn cool. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and um, one thing that was brought to my attention not a couple of hours ago, uh, Henry Cavill has been, um, it's announced that he's going to be starring in the Highlander reboot, apparently. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, so apparently he realized that that yes he's realized that if i just hold a sword everything will be fine he proved it with Geralt. let's be honest yeah i mean the dude from everything that from interviews the dude is at seems absolutely happy to be doing this kind of work for the rest of his career it's, so it's keep great an eye to see on a, it's great to see a nerd in the mainstream isn't it there's a nerd that built jesus yes that's my, that's my... <laughs> oh, uh, anything else, Reardon? Because I know you said you had a few things. Oh, oh, I say a few. It's a couple. <laughs> I, I cannot. I cannot speak. You lied to me. No, uh, <laughs> I have a recommendation. Ah, oh, wrestling with fiction, Connor. So that to our listeners who are kind of who are unfamiliar with you or your podcast, could you give us like the the, the pitch, the pitch that you would give to people who yeah. are unfamiliar with wrestling with fiction? Oh, oh no, I'm not prepared for pitching. We're gonna see how this goes. So, uh, yeah, uh, hi there. My name is Connor. In case you don't know my name at this point, uh, I run a podcast called Wrestling with Fiction, which is basically a fantasy booking podcast that kind of covers everything in wrestling i do a little bit of rebooking like the brian kendrick did stuff with buddy murphy uh i also do some booking for the future like samoa joe and then the thing that's probably got me most over uh booking if such and such can work in the wrestling business i've done could the pokemon trainer work in the wrestling <laughs> business could link work in the wrestling business and the one that i'm still shocked got retweeted could Sullivan Bo Brown work in the wrestling business? <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh god! <laughs> which, which he actually retweeted. Mania, baby! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. Gotta love a bit of Quizzle Mania. Oh, oh man! <laughs> so, no, where can, can where can uh, people find you? Is it on most of the podcasting platforms? I'd imagine. Pretty much, you can find me on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And if you feel so inclined, leave a review. It helps out a bunch. There we go. There you go. You got the self-promotion bit out of the way there, Connor. Hey, I did it. <laughs> so with all of that, it's time to get on with this week's main punk of the episode. The Anonymous Raw General Manager. Oh, boy. This is going to be quite the retrospective <laughs> so rather oh, yeah. than uh i usually do the opening gambit of asking a question i'm gonna get straight into it i'm gonna go down the timeline and i will pepper questions here there and everywhere for you lot to uh to ponder <laughs> sound right. good sounds, sounds, good, to good. Me. sounds, sounds good. good to me awesome so let us cast our minds back to the year 
2010, 10 years ago. Oh, God, I'm old. <laughs> I was going to say, terrifying. <laughs> terrifying that this was 10 years ago. So, a year when no one was really watching WWE. Now, I wrote Hello. this as a joke in my notes, but I didn't actually realise that all of us weren't really watching WWE. <laughs> Uh, it was yeah. It was me. That was it. <laughs> Just incredible. I was doing it as a joke for myself. I thought I'd be mocked for it. Turns out, no, pretty much everyone wasn't watching. Basically, just me. Literally, it was the Dan was the lone fan watching it. The Lone Ranger. <laughs> so. From my recollection of going back to this, my, I would say my interest was fleeting at this time, so I was watching every so often. But from what I gather, Vince McMahon fires Bret Hart as general manager on a June episode of Raw, following the Correct. fallout of the Nexus invading the show. Hey, remember I, that? <laughs> I, I generally couldn't remember Bret Hart as GM, Dan. Uh, I can't remember that song. I, I weirdly remember it very, like intricately along with the fact that he won the u.s title i remember yes that, that is also true he did he huh? did win the u.s title wow okay <laughs> so the next week vince announces a new general manager that wishes to remain anonymous with a laptop set up at the commentary desk now the anonymous general manager would email his decisions and booking to that laptop for Michael Cole to read out. Now it was again, it was just an Apple, like a MacBook, odd set upon All right. the table. But like first things first, right? <laughs> Vince McMahon has come down the ramp and said, There is a new general manager and he and they do not want to reveal who they are. <laughs> Surely, whoever you are, you see that and go, that sounds suspicious as hell. <laughs> Yes. My sus meter is running right on the right on the Surely level. you hear that and you just go, all right, so something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, actually, real talk, real quick, real quick. Mm. Should, um, Sam, should you do a Pokedex on the concept of a general manager? Because we've never Okay, all right, but to make, to make it easier, do you want a Pokedex authority figure? That makes it easier on you, doesn't oh, okay. it? Okay, yeah, that does make it easier. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it harder, actually. Okay, <laughs> it gives you it gives you more breadth to work yeah. with. Yeah. Okay. So, authority figure, an authority figure in wrestling in kayfabe is basically a boss, employer, or well, authority member in the wrestling the person that will say you're going to be in this match or no you can't do that and you're going to get fined and general stuff like that um first codified really codified by good old vincent kennedy mcmahon in the attitude era mm -hmm. the authority figure in more <laughs> yep. ways than one not to be confused with the authority from like 2014 yeah. not to be <laughs> Confused with the authority, who oh. are in fact authority figures. That's probably a that's probably a future podcast talking about the authority figures. Yeah, oh, it but, definitely is. Yeah, but that is the basics of it. And the general manager is in kayfabe the person who runs like runs the brand. Yeah. So they are the ones that run Monday Night Raw. Essentially, they they are the booker. <laughs> in they're, they're, they're kind of like um 
you know, they're in terms of like a story, if it's all traditional character story roles, they're like the organizer. Yes. They're the person who kind of keeps everything in motion. Yes. And as everyone knows, the greatest one of all of them was Teddy Long. The Undertaker! Absolutely. In in WWE, correct. In WWE, the greatest one. If you you want to see arguably the best use of an authority figure, I would say Dario Cueto and Lucha Underground. Oh, absolutely. Question. Probably the best representation of one but lucha underground has a lot more license to do a lot more weird shit exactly Um, Exactly. yeah teddy long's probably the best you also have commissioner foley Mm. um who is a lot of fun commissioner Um, regal which again was a lot of fun commissioner regal's great i think general manager william regal on nxt is good Yes. Um, no, yeah, that's oh, that's yeah. fantastic is, well, shout. Fantastic yeah, he's, shout. He's great, but he really isn't an authority figure in the, the, the like, way. No, but you're, we're, talk, we're talking like the weird fine line to WWE in like 2021 now. Yeah, <laughs> where they're true. like, there are no authority figures except those two people over there who are, who are not wrestlers but make decisions on behalf of the company, but they're not authority figures. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. I'm I, looking I, at I, you, Adam Pierce and Sonia Deville. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I will also I will also give my props to um to Ross General Manager Eric Bischoff. Yes. I loved Eric Bischoff. Yeah. <laughs> so with all that being said, again, uh, one of our many famous tangents that we love to go off on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, this had to be explained. Of so course, you actually absolutely. Get, you actually get Explaining what anything about. in wrestling is convoluted and requires sidebars to get yeah. into. Yes. Yep. So the other elements of uh, of the character of the... Well, I guess you could say the character of the anonymous Raw General Manager. <laughs> the <laughs> character of the laptop itself. Yes. <laughs> Such as an oversized stand with the with the anonymous raw GM emblazoned on it, the infamous Apple notification bleeping and somehow messing with the arena lights, and Michael yeah. Cole starting every single freaking email with, "Ladies and gentlemen, I have just received an email from the anonymous raw general manager." No and shit, I, I quote, never would have known. Oh, now I want to know what kind of powerful MacBook do you have that can actually interfere with electricity like that? Let me tell you something. <laughs> I have used a MacBook for years now. Every single one of them has died <laughs> in three years. There is no way on God's green earth that a MacBook Pro, a regular Mac. Book Pro could do anything like this. <laughs> I will believe. Was it, in, was it interfering with the lights because it just kept shorting out all the time? <laughs> yeah, I will believe <laughs> that a man can rise from the dead and then go on to wrestle a match. <laughs> yes, he's called the Undertaker. Yes, he is called the Undertaker. <laughs> I will believe that the Undertaker is a literal zombie before I believe a MacBook Pro can do that. Raiden, let me let me give you a reason for this. Okay. Leprechaun magic. <gasps> Fuck you. 
<laughs> We've jumped too far in the timeline. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to oh, it. Oh, we will get to it. So, my opening, my first and opening question for this then is: What were your earliest thoughts or memories of the anonymous raw general manager? And we'll start with our, we'll start with our guest, Connor. Honestly, I, I remembered it, but I also kind of didn't remember it that isn't really a great answer but i think it's most I, it isn't a great answer but i know what you mean like you remember mm. the presence of the anonymous raw general manager yes. but you don't remember the actions of it yeah. like we'll get into like the stuff that happens in it which i actually think some of it's actually kind of underrated segments mm. maybe because i've had to research it but <laughs> <laughs> like there are segments in there that i think have really good elements mm. But they're not really fully expanded upon in the grand scheme of things. And part of it is just because it's overshadowed by the Nexus for the most part. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, most most certainly. Uh, Reardon, what are some of your earliest thoughts or memories? I mean, it's funny because like when it, when it popped up, I was like, this is a weird idea. But it's... No more weird than anything else. Yeah. In wrestling. <laughs> so again, I, I understand what you mean with that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it was kind of a like this is an odd choice, but like whatever. I mean, we've had plenty of weird ass general managers. This is just one of them. And I, I you know, it's just a thing. I didn't I didn't think too much on it uh, at the beginning. Hmm. No, mm, I can understand that for sure. Mm, uh, mm. Dan, I'm, I'm sounding like a villager from Minecraft all yeah. of a sudden. Dan. Mm. <laughs> um, so my uh, my earliest memories of this were, you know, again because I'm, I'm contextually outing my age here, kind of coming back from like, you know, being there, be like, yeah, I'm gonna watch Raw tonight, Da-la-la-la, and then being like, okay. What is this laptop doing? <laughs> what is going on? Okay, now Michael Cole's saying something. Man, I do not like this. Um, and just, I mean, because part of it was obviously being there, and like Connor said, like you had this, you had the Nexus storyline going on. Yeah, yeah, which was like vastly more interesting than anything else. <laughs> yeah. But also, it was just kind of the. It was like the anonymous GM existed to just interrupt the flow of the show. <laughs> like it just existed to just like slow the pace down when things were getting interesting. Yeah, and so, like most of what I remember thinking about it when I when I was younger, was just kind of like. Oh, okay. Here we go. What's gonna happen this time? Oh, there's that sound again for like the ninth time in this show in one hour. Oh, baby. That's actually something. Was it really that much? Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, God. Because don't forget, when they used to do promo segments, the anonymous GM would interrupt. Oh, jeez. Because I can remember at least a a few um promo segments where it would be like you know two wrestlers in the ring and they'd be just like 
you know, cutting promos on each other. And then the anonymous general manager would do the chime in and be like, um, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. You'll get suspended. And then the person just hits them anyway. And then, of course, the anonymous GM has to send the email and Michael Cole has to read out of the, the email where it's like, because of that, you are now being, you're now booked for a match next week. Uh, and it will be this stipulation, and I'm like, you could have just had someone say it. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier. You would have saved a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's it, isn't it? It's just an extraordinarily terrifying pace killer. It really was, because my earliest memories and thoughts were the. F- I can remember the first one when I first saw it was. Oh well, at least we don't have the guest general managers anymore coming up and saying the Summerfest oh, instead of saying Summerslam. Again, oh, yeah, that, like contextually, that was that was after that was after this as well. But then, but then, and then, but then the second one was good. God, is Michael Cole annoying? Oh, okay. all right. So I think we're going to finally talk about him, aren't we? It's that time. It's time. Yes. yes it's oh my! It's... The elephant in the room. Let us talk about Michael Cole's heel run in WWE at this time. Wow! It's just like here's the thing, and I've always said this in several episodes previous in in news segments. Michael Cole, when not constantly being pested in his ear for direct uh, to have directions from Vince. When he's given a chance to commentate and actually look at the action and do that, is not bad. You can you look at the very first United Kingdom uh, tournament to 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 see yeah. that he's not actually that bad a commentator. But dear lord, when he's having to shield whatever Vince is telling him in his ear, he is oh, <laughs> he can be grating sometimes, and none more is that true than his heel run, especially. When it came to him and the Miz, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna just quickly get my thoughts on with Michael Cole because um during um this week where I've had like basically almost nothing to do, I've been rewatching some good old WrestleMania matches as you do. I have come to the conclusion that Michael Cole is a good commentator. When he's on, he's on. However. He, unlike every other like commentator I can think of at the top of my head, when he is like unconvincing, he is the most unconvincing. <laughs> like no, no commentator bats a bats a thousand. None. Even like when re-listening to, I heard a lot of big points where I think, oh, Jr., you were a bit off there, but he like you're unconvincing there, you know. No one bats a thousand. No one is great a hundred times. The problem with Michael Cole is that his bad is on such a level that it's actively infuriating. (laughs) Yeah. If if he has a bad line, like people can have bad lines and do it well, or at least do their best. When Michael Cole gets a bad line, it sounds ear bleeding. Would you say it's rather impressive? Would you dare say it's vintage Michael Cole? Oh yeah, and let me tell you something. If I could never hear "Could it be Oh My" ever again, I would be very, very happy. 
I'm, I'm done. I'm done hearing that. I'm done hearing. I can't. I don't think I can take it anymore. <laughs> Fair enough, Connor. Do you have thoughts on Michael Cole by any chance? I mean, my my first question is: Did he ever get any coal miner T-shirts? This is a shame. No, I no, I don't so. think so. I don't think, <laughs> and that that seems like they missed the beat because that, that feels like a missed opportunity if you're going to make him like a massive villain. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. my only issue with michael cole being such a heel though was that he rarely got any comeuppance and when he did it was with jerry lawler yes and john cena yes yeah and once with the rock but i think that was about it wasn't it yeah oh let's not forget as well during this time that michael cole gave the single greatest calling commentary he had ever had where he said straight to the camera, deadpan as anything, he said the words anal bleeding. <laughs> mm. Michael Cole, everyone. Michael Cole. It really gives you a good insight into the kind of humour that Vince McMahon likes, doesn't it? Oh, um, oh, we've established that before. As I've said to people many, many a time, Vince apparently, supposedly, Vince, the funniest thing in the world to Vince McMahon is pushing someone in a pool while all their clothes are still on. To him, that is like the height of comedy. Uh... <laughs> all right, is it time for me to take the floor about Michael Cole? <laughs> yes. yes. Yep. Please. Go for it. All right, let's get into this. Initiate your therapy session. <laughs> so basically, it's kind of a combination of <clears throat> what everyone else has kind of said already, mm. uh, which is that <clears throat> Michael Cole is a very good, is a good commentator mm. when he's allowed to be. Yeah. Mm. When he's given the time and is just uh, able to just basically call stuff in the ring as it happens, he is a good commentator. The problem is that he's often because he is the senior, he is like the you know, the company guy. He is the guy that is chosen to really push, chill, sell everything. <laughs> the problem with that is that it basically puts him into this situation where he's only ever got enough time to say like two words. So he has all these things that he just says all the time and it's incredibly grating for example could it be oh my it's boss time vintage blank <laughs> and that's all he says and it's incredibly annoying and it just sounds like you're playing like smackdown here comes the pain <laughs> <laughs> or could it could be just bring it with how bad it could be sometimes. yeah <clears throat> and like I said like with the uk title tournament which was he was he was pretty damn good um and at other times on like older editions of smackdown older editions of raw he's a good commentator mm. but because now he's basically evolved into just being a soundboard <laughs> that it just kills any emotion behind anything he says mm. and it genuinely just makes it draining and then when we talk about michael cole as a heel <laughs> commentator like there's an art to being a heel commentator it's yeah. it's not a position i envy for anyone no, it's very difficult like there's so much you have to account for both still calling the match and still keeping track of everything that's going on with that 
and and obviously everything that comes with um trying to do the heel work as well the problem with michael cole as a heel commentator is the way that they always put him is just okay there's a person in the ring and i'm just gonna bury the hell out of them for the duration of this match yeah Mm. anything that this person does will just get shot down immediately by him Mm. it is either is literally just like oh either it's one commentator supporting the baby face one commentator supporting the heel that's it and it basically makes it sound like even though they'll never frame it this way in kayfabe they just make it sound like he's just being paid by the Miz to be his commentator because <laughs> like when they did the when they did the stuff where he was aligned with Miz it was basically if Miz was in a match Michael Cole was only going to talk about the Miz and how great the Miz is and how everything that the Miz does is perfectly fine and there's no issue and that no one needs to care about anything mm-hmm. <laughs> problem is that doesn't work <laughs> yeah and it, and for a lot of people it just feeds into that same thing of uh it's it's that it's that one sign i love to reference excuse me sir i feel compelled to tell you that we are booing you not because of your effective heel work but because we simply do not like you as a character <laughs> it sums it up pretty nicely yeah like I know, again, I'm not going to start the. I'm not going to get start the discourse about what is and isn't good heat and all that stuff. Yeah. But it it's just this thing of like, he exists in this one dimensional character, and it's like I am here to just whatever the baby face does, just shit on it, just to bury and put it down as much as they can regardless of what uh, what the other commentator says what they're doing what the storyline is this person is my guy and i'm just going to support them and just big them up the entire time and it gets tiring quickly for example see everything about daniel bryan in 2010 2011 100% <laughs> look at the time where they had michael cole and jack swagger I tried to forget about that, Dan. <laughs> it's just... It's just draining. <laughs> Let us never forget that Michael Cole has act- has a pinfall victory at a WrestleMania. Yeah. Again, that's had... a whole other... Maybe, maybe one day we'll get to that. I don't know. Maybe? Possibly. Potentially. Uh, like I said, like... We'll see how drunk we are. Yeah. <laughs> that could be an in-person one. <laughs> but, yeah. um, yes. But no, that like it it they don't let they don't let him be developed enough to actually do the character effectively. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's the fundamental problem. I guess you could say Michael Cole, especially when he's you know, when it's live and it's a show, that he's effectively the megaphone for Vince McMahon. In a way, yes. That's a haunting thought, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, back onto the timeline. So back in 2010, others, so other people like Jerry Lawler, Chris Jericho, CM Punk when he was a commentator. Remember that time? Okay, but the thing time. is, though, again, though, right? He wasn't that. He was pretty damn good. He was pretty damn good. <laughs> he was a very good commentator. And even Josh Matthews would take the podium too. 
Well, let's be honest, come some unexpected pops from the crowd, especially from Josh Matthews. <laughs> so look, as, as we've discussed, we were in peak Michael Cole Hill era in this time, with him and Jerry Lawler as bit of rivals. So I'm guessing anyone who took the rostrum would have been a lot more popular than Michael Cole would have been. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the more famous moments around this time involving the anonymous Raw general manager happened when Chris Jericho took issue with, in his eyes, being cheated out of a world heavyweight title shot. If you remember, he staged a sit-down protest in the middle of the ring and wouldn't leave until he got his shot and it was revealed who was behind the laptop. This yep. was the... This was the um, the Nick Bockwinkle, Anton Chigurh, Chris Jericho. You know, the, the psychotic, yeah. sadistic mm. Chris Jericho. Quite honestly, I think the best version of Jericho, if you ask me. It's up there. Yeah. Definitely is up there. I mean, it's a lot better than oh. the Painmaker, isn't it, Connor? Oh, so much better than the Painmaker. <laughs> <laughs> I made my piece about the Painmaker. Yes. Have you? Have you, Connor? Yes, he did. You can find that on his Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, the uh, the general manager would then say, and I quote, you have no chance in hell in finding out who I am. Heavily implying that it was Vince McMahon uh, behind the laptop. But this wouldn't be the last time the, the general manager would recite famous quotes to throw off the scent of their identity. He would use, and that's the bottom line, he would use, if you smell... Uh, which again, as you know, would be recited poorly by Michael Cole. <laughs> I remember the time he did that. That's the bottom line to a massive pop, but then just audible, sub, like audible confusion from Jerry Lawler's like, "What is that? Is is that the way you're gonna say that right now?" <laughs> oh, and if you're wondering, all three of you, Jericho would never find out who the general manager was because it was on this very same episode he was punted in the head by Randy Orton and wouldn't be seen for for two years. Oof. Oof. And he was never seen again. He went to tour with Fozzie, and how do I know this? Because I went to their live show in Margate. Yes, I went and saw a Fozzie show. For you. God damn it. At least it wasn't in Sturgis last year. Anyway, uh... <laughs> The anonymous Raw general manager would stick around for most of 2011, still being annoying as all heck, until he was eventually replaced by good old people power himself, John Laurinaitis. John Laurinaitis. Uh, Mr. People Power. Anyway. People Power. John Laurinaitis is such a bizarre figure in my wrestling life. Oh, yeah. Oh, He's the bizarre person, period. Oh, we will do an episode on old Johnny Ace. That's for damn sure. I'd actually be very fascinated on that. <laughs> so unceremoniously, we'll just skip. We'll just skip over John Laurinaitis's 2021. Yes, please, please. Oh God. So yeah, they're unceremoniously ending the era of the anonymous Raw general manager. So. Two questions I have for all of you. On a scale of 1 to 10, how annoyed did you get with the anonymous Raw general manager stick when it ended? <laughs> Starting with Connor, how annoyed were you? Ooh. Ooh. I think, if I'm going by the fact that I was watching this weekly and I was thinking more about the Nexus, <laughs> probably give it like a 6 or a 7. Mm. Mm. Like, it wasn't at the point, like, say, The Authority, for example, with, like, Stephanie McMahon. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Oh no, yeah. no no no. Yeah. It could have been worse. Oh, welcome to the Queendom indeed, Reardon. <laughs> it's it was just so weird. And especially at that time where I was barely watching wrestling. I was in my low periods because, you know, I had other 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 matters to deal with. Yeah. Just, you had so a just, life. I had a life. I was and my life wasn't seeing who was behind this fucking laptop so <laughs> yeah it's probably like a, it is probably like a seven just like just get this on with it <laughs> yeah i agree dan uh so i was probably like uh i don't know like an eight <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe That's maybe maybe right. an eight maybe an eight and a half I would, I would. I mean, I feel like the, I feel like most of it was largely dictated by the fact of when I was watching this, I was still relatively young. Yeah. So I was kind of just like, I want to watch wrestling. I want to listen to people read a laptop. <laughs> um, and, but also just that feeling of just like really everything here could have just been streamlined and just done a whole lot easier. Yeah. Agreed. Like, <laughs> I. It's one of those things of like at first I was like, huh this is a cool idea. Maybe we'll figure out, like, you know, who's behind it, and they'll be leaving, like, clues and information. It's like it's like a mystery for us to figure out. When instead it was just... And I quote, and I quote, and I quote, and I was just like... Uh... <laughs> okay. Cool, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. I'd say it was a seven or eight for me. I mean, because especially when you had the, I went in. Funnily enough, when I found out that Daniel Bryan was on TV, I was like, "Whoa, right! I need to watch this right now. I need to go mm. back and watch it." And then, when of course, you know, you find out as you go on about this annoying general manager, I was like, "Okay, that's that's great. Can I can I see more Nexus? Can I see more Daniel Bryan, please?" Oh, he's still reading. Oh God. <laughs> Well, it's like the the joke I also have was I was like I don't know, but maybe this informed my hatred of MacBooks and Apple products in general. I can't confirm or deny that. You know that would be perfectly be that'd be reasonable as hell. It's you know, factor. You know what's funny about it? I have to ask this question: like, with just how often this thing would fucking interrupt everything? Mm. I think a big problem is like because regular human general managers didn't interrupt as much on this the only one that ever came close was vicky guerrero but considering her gimmick was doing that <laughs> gimmick was literally to annoy you yes. which is i'm i i feel justified in allowing that the the, pro the problem with this is that it kind obviously it lended itself to this really weird buffer where it's like mm. because it's on the laptop and then michael cole has to read it out yeah. It, there's always like this break. Whereas if you like, because like we've seen the segments before, like it, like old SmackDown, where it's just like, you know, Randy Orton is feuding against whatever person, and then things happen, and then Teddy Long comes out and says, You're going one on one with The Undertaker, and then leaves while dancing. Yes. <laughs> like, like the interaction is just cut, dry, and done. Yeah rather than segment people cutting promos wait listen okay back to it cut wait listen back to it 
Can't wait. Listen. Okay, segment's done. <laughs> oh yeah, it killed the flow of an already. No, long... I, will, I, no I will say it. It, it arguably did generate the. Uh, I guess the greatest pop in wrestling history of a laptop being destroyed. That that's that yeah. indeed, yeah. But I don't know what kind of accolade that really is. <laughs> true, true. Okay, next question then I have in my mind is, were you like me quite miffed at the time that yet another potentially interesting storyline just whimpered without the big payoff of the big reveal? Uh, yes, it's called being a fan of WWE storytelling post 2000 and what, like five? Oh, <laughs> God damn it, yeah. yeah. Why do I uh, watch Raw Because like, like I said, like I, like I said, my my thing was is I was like, oh, it's a mystery for us to figure out. Like, I don't I don't know if there's really something that's analogous to it, but like you know those, you know like when you're watching like a mystery, like a, a murder mystery film or TV show. Yes, shout out to murder like, mysteries. And like you're like say like you're there, you're watching with your family or your partner or whatever. And like part of the fun of it is like trying to be like, oh, who did it? I think I've got it figured out. Because <laughs> like I've spoken about how, but we had we had the discourse before about um, when Alistair Black returned and he was, and then after he left, and he was like, oh, there's all these like little tidbits of information that informed who I was going to be facing and stuff. Yeah, and then like <clears throat> people on like the 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 hardcore WWE side of things were like. We don't care about that. That's stupid. We just want to see you in matches. But like for me and you guys, as I'm sure for Connor as well, as fans of like video games and film, that's like the stuff that we live for. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, like those hidden bits of information. And then when you find it, you feel smart for paying attention. Yes. Like you feel like you've been rewarded. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. For putting the for putting the links between the stuff, so yeah, I kind of treated it like, oh, okay, well they're anonymous, and we're gonna have to try. You know, the the storyline is gonna be figuring out who it is. Nice. So mm. then, when you're there and you're like, <laughs> they're like they're trying to add some mystery to it, and then you have Michael Cole really badly quoting Stone Cold. <laughs> And the rock. <laughs> it then you then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well we don't know who it is, but like, you know, they they're dropping popular WWE catchphrases. Okay. And then just to have it phased out and then have John Laurinaitis people power come in. I was just like, so we're not gonna, you know, this isn't gonna be solved or we're not gonna. We're just not talking about it. And we, then the SmackDown hacker came along, and we repeated the process all over again. <laughs> because time is a flat fucking circle. It is. We still haven't figured out who threw the pie in Kevin Owens' face. <laughs> we still didn't figure out who was behind GTV as well. So it's like, do you just hear? I know. Like, I mean, what? Oh. Like with, with, with Kevin Owens, I'm like Sami Zayn, and just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it, makes... it took it took Mustafa Ali like six months after the fact in a random promo on Raw 
to reveal the answer to that question. Obviously, all of us were like, it's Mustafa Ali. Because, you know, oh, look, that symbol is a bit like the thing that he used to have on his gear before he joined Retribution. I think it might be him, and they just never told us. And then, obviously, he came through on that random promo. And it's like, I was the SmackDown hacker. I'm like, okay, cool, but we have no reason to care anymore because we're not on SmackDown. Man, I feel like I should never have asked this question because I feel more depressed. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is what you have to run into. You have to roll with the punches and deal with it. That, yeah. But that's, like, you know, like I said, it's that whole thing of like you could set up a smart storyline and be rev- getting information, giving out clues, and then the people that figure it out feel rewarded. But that just doesn't happen, and it's weird to me that there's this weird objection to you know piecemeal information to figure out clues and put information together from wrestling fans like my god have you guys not watched an agatha christie adaptation in your lives (laughs) come on no that's a good idea for you there connor hercule Poirot in wwe oh you know i gotta put it in the plans (laughs) i could see i could see poirot being a real fucking excellent technical wrestler okay but consider the following Mm. fashion please there we go Mm. there we go (laughs) i still maintain that gave one of the greatest lines of comedy that wwe has ever written uh, if you want to argue me on that fact, you can message us and I won't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, now because I have mentioned this, we could not have Connor on without him at least fantasy booking something on this episode. So, for the, for the, for the, for, for well, for the, for most of the podcast here, we're going to hand the floor over to Connor as he tries to rebook our fantasy book, The Anonymous Raw General Manager. Connor, the oh, floor is oh yours. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. So I am, I am going to preface this. If any of you want to jump in and give your oohs and ahs, feel free. That would okay. be great. Will do. It's a live audience. I, 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 I'm just preparing myself to boo you in sustainment. <laughs> okay. Okay. A couple of prerequisites with this. Uh, I'm planning for this to be kind of a year-long story. So we're talking from Fatal 4-Way up to, I'd say, post Money in the Bank 2011. Hmm. This is where we're going for. I'm not going to go through every pay-per-view because if I do that, this is going to take way too long. (laughs) And also, yeah. Uh, the anonymous for all manager, spoilers, it's not Hornswoggle for this. So we're going to see how this goes. Oh, <laughs> Damn it. God. So a couple of things I need to also reference with the anonymous for all general manager, as I'm kind of doing a bunch of changes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the anonymous for all general manager isn't just on that podium where you put him because, uh, <laughs> for one, it's an email. Why don't all the wrestlers have phones where they can get emails about this stuff? It doesn't quite make any sense mm. <laughs> like that feels like a whole plot hole why is it all sent to one laptop you know is it just it's me we've, it's, 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 wwe discovers the reply all function <laughs> exactly like you, you know imagine. i can't believe i didn't think of this it's been 10 years and i hadn't exactly. thought about that simple fact <laughs> so that is a big change to the anonymous rule channel manager that we are going to be discussing with this 
alongside it, the only people who don't get those messages are the Nexus. Because, you know, Nexus, vigilantes, whole thing. Why would they need their phones for this type of stuff? They're an invading force. So, there we go. With that, we begin at Fatal 4-Way. We discussed everything we talked about with the Anonymous Rule General Manager. It is basically a looming threat that, basically, if you guys remember the beginning of why the Anonymous Rule General Manager began, mm -hmm. it was all in an attempt to, you know, control the threat that was the Nexus. So, really, this angle lives and dies by the Nexus. Yep. So, it's the first couple weeks of the nominous Raw general manager working together we've already had the classic michael cole excuse me i've received an email from the anonymous Raw general manager we start to see pretty much everywhere there are ridden dan you're gonna hate this a bunch of macbook laptops across all of backstage yes if you guys are aware of 2001 A Space Odyssey and that kind yes. of angle, <laughs> this is kind of what we're going for. The Anonymous Raw General Manager is not just a random point on the laptop, it is a looming presence throughout the entire show. <laughs> and how do you demonstrate this? With a, with a certain angle that happens in 2012. Now, we're going to get into it, but do you guys remember what Santino Marella did when he was trying to look for the anonymous Raw General Manager? Oh, I no, did, I, I do. I don't remember. You know, a little bit of a Sherlock Holmes cosplay. Yeah. Kind of oh. looking around everywhere. Basically, Santino Marella, he's on his quest throughout the show to find out who on earth is the anonymous Raw General Manager. Oh, wacky doodles, who could it be? <laughs> so he's investigating... He's looking for his clues, and he ends up going to the backstage locker rooms. And he finds in his gym bag, he has been re received a text from the anonymous Raw general manager telling him to come to the ring. Now, he's mostly just saying, well, he, he is speaking to me through this microphone. The anonymous Raw general manager <laughs> is communicating with me. Santino, of course, he doesn't really believe he's really communicating with him. So he tries to exit the building where he is met by a whole bunch of security guards who have been informed that Santino <laughs> might have attempted to exit the building. <laughs> so they essentially drag Santino to the ring. We receive the classic doo from, of course, the podium, because you may as well get it in now and again. Yeah. <laughs> we get a, excuse me, I've received an email from the anonymous Raw General Manager. And it's basically revealed by Michael Cole that because of Santino's actions, trying to figure out who he is, this is all being done to protect the WWE. You can't just have the Nexus come and attack the anonymous Raw GM. So Santino Morella is being punished. He is being forced to have a match where he cannot leave in risk of being fired in a match against the WWE champion Sheamus at the time. Now, this match goes exactly how you'd expect it to be. Santino's <laughs> lower level guy. Sheamus is, you know, your big main event heel. Bro kick, bro kick, bro kick. Oh, Santino's up again. Bro kick, he's down. So basically Sheamus is 99 overall in this match. Yes, <laughs> yes. he's got all yeah. the finishes on. He's ready. <laughs> One, two, three. Sheamus wins, but oh, wait, the lights are going out again. What is happening here? 
And so Michael Cole immediately says, excuse me, I've received another email from the anonymous Raw General Manager. Where, well, he basically says that due to technical difficulties, he was unable to record the match results of this match. Therefore, the match shall be restarted. (laughs) (laughs) Evil. Because he is a fair man. However, if anyone turns up to aid Santino in his slanderous ways, they will be fired on the spot. (laughs) He is not messing around here. The Nexus is a threat. You cannot just have these people walk in, in and out, here and there. Why? Immediately, we're establishing the Raw General Manager as a massive threat here. Santino gets beat up. He's hospitalized. He's he's just had a really bad day. Yeah. So this keeps up, you know, the anonymous Raw General Manager, like in real life, does set some threats towards the Nexus after they attack Vince McMahon. Basically saying, yeah, you can no longer challenge for title matches and now everyone can attack you. Cool. And just like in real life, we have the slanderous split between by like, are they really bad guys or are they just attacking John Cena? So how how bad can they be if they're attacking yeah. John Cena? Exactly. Yeah. How bad can they be? So just like in real life, we build up to the big SummerSlam match, the five on five Survivor Series style match with a little bit of a twist. So the Nexus, if they win, they get their title matches revoked. Wrestlers cannot touch them. But if they lose, they are drafted to SmackDown and they must be forced to immediately disband. Because they're a looming threat on Raw, they're trying to take over this whole thing. It's basically the goal of the anonymous Raw general manager from the start. It makes sense. Mm. Mm. So we have our match and controversially, people are going to hate me for this because I think people still despise it. The Nexus lose. <laughs> really? I honestly, expect, I honestly expect you to say that the, that the, the Nexus actually win. Because <laughs> no. They... no, the Nexus lose here and they are all immediately drafted to SmackDown. They are forced to disband. The Nexus is no more. And as punishment, as given by the anonymous Raw general manager, he has forced Teddy Long to put them all in matches against each other so that they won't band together on the brand of SmackDown. So what you're telling me is we're not getting the core. I mean, we could have a core of something in the future. You never know with SmackDown. (laughs) Holla holla, tag team matches player. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, you know, they're all forced to kind of separate. They're they're interjecting with the SmackDown roster. You know, a lot of the well-established people, some of the former pros as well. So... Keep that in mind for the future. So at this time, the anonymous Raw General Manager is now, well, unopposed. He's completely (laughs) eradicated the Nexus. His identity is completely safe. And throughout the weeks, we get opening segments of him praising his work as the anonymous Raw General Manager. He's new to this part and he knows how to play the game. He knows how to play being the anonymous Raw General Manager so much so that week after week, he begins to slanderize the Nexus as these young punks who dared to challenge the establishment that is WWE Raw, the flagship show. And because of this, like in real life, we start to get, you know, people really starting to question this authority here. We're looking at, like in real life, Chris Jericho not having his WWE title matches. 
we get the exact same segment that we've already referred to where he's sitting demanding his world title match against John Cena and uh just like in real life he gets punted in the head by Randy Orton <laughs> because some things never change yes. some things never change except they say in storyline that he's been taken to a local rehabilitation center <laughs> okay <laughs> and has not been seen again now after this of course we get edge because uh you know he yep. was on the crusade of getting rid of all things stupid yes so a lot of this stuff pretty much goes unchanged with it i like a lot of the segments with edge and the anonymous raw general mm. manager the whole like yeah. thing on the cutting edge where he like <laughs> destroys the laptop my my one gripe would be though is that he should have laid hands on michael cole that is the one big difference. Yeah, yes. When the anonymous general manager does not give answers, he goes straight to Michael Cole and he starts beating him up and he's punished for it. He is drafted to SmackDown because he is questioning his authority. Now, Edge being, I, you can say a bit more of a conspiracy theorist through the coming weeks. He's, he's trying to get as much information about why Chris Jericho has suddenly disappeared. Why everybody is so mindlessly in tune to this machine that's across everywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> who is really listening to this? What what mm. powers does he have with Vince McMahon? And of course, well, just like in real life, he is forced to be drafted to SmackDown. Where we get, essentially, a final celebration of Edge on Raw. Which is basically him being forced into multiple matches again and again and again for most of the night even with people like randy orn attempting to punt kick him out of the building of course edge escapes and we see for the first time as he is swapped in real life cm punk Ta-da! Ta -da. cm punk is in here what's he doing here because he's being drafted to raw and basically, he looks completely shocked and Edge drags him into a room where no cameras are present. And we go off the air there. Edge has been drafted to SmackDown. I was going to have him do a lot more in this story, but he does retire literally later that year or next year. So it doesn't quite make sense. So from this point, Anonymous Raw General Manager stuff is getting a little bit more, more stuff. Just saying that he was the hero who stopped the Nexus. We start to see more baby faces begin to sympathize with their cause. Like, hey, you know, we're, we're still in the position where all of these more well-established talents, your Chris Jericho's, your Edges, all consistently at the top. Guys like Daniel Bryan, R-Truth, people who are kind of against the Nexus start to think, you know, maybe they were partially right about this. WWE system is flawed. And of course, they're punished. At this time, CM Punk is still on commentary, kind of witnessing the whole thing. He's seeing the, can I have your attention, please? I've received an email from the anonymous Raw general manager. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Punk starts to get a little bit more suspicious. So what Punk basically does at this point is that he's on commentary for a lot of these weeks. So you guys are aware of New Japan, right? How they have these intermissions? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. CM Punk throughout multiple weeks throughout the show in the lead up to wrestlemania he is starting to have these intermissions during the 
during these weeks of the show, where he basically leaves the commentary desk and goes somewhere. We don't really know. And he starts picking up from where Edge left off, his whole, like, conspiracy theory stuff. I like to imagine that Edge had, like, a secret room with, like, all the, like, connecting dots, like <laughs> other Sherlock Holmes. It's Pepe Sylvia. Yeah, Pepe Sylvia. We're seeing oh, forced to take up the case of Edge. The amazing and... thing is that they brought, because, because they're touring the entire country, they've taken that room with them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's basically entrusted it to CM Punk. As we all know, that stuff happens. And he starts being booked inexplicably as he starts to compete more and more into handicap matches against people who mindlessly, you know, side with this anonymous Raw general manager. I think guys like Cody Rhodes, Drew McIntyre, because when would Cody Rhodes ever question authority in the future? Am I right, guys? He <laughs> uh... <laughs> does that, but yet <laughs> he still miraculously pulls up and out victories. It's great. And in the lead up to WrestleMania, guess what he might be getting? No. A WWE title match against The Miz. Dear oh. God. But he has to win a number one contenders match between him, John Cena, and Randy Orton. It There's like... more. No. Yeah. <laughs> CM Punk looks like he's about to pick up the win on John Cena. You get the one, two, the lights go out. You hear the doo doo doo. Oh, no. And of course, the count isn't counted, is it? Oh, Because no. it's pitch black. <laughs> of course. The lights, the lights come back on. Uh, CM Punk gets hit by an RKO. Cena hits Randy Orton with an AA. He pins CM Punk. One, two, three. Cena's number one contender. We still get the Cena versus Edge main event. <laughs> Cena versus Edge. No, Cena versus Miz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the conspiracy mind still. <laughs> Edge, so, Miz, same person, Edge, really. Miz, they're the same. Really, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Adam Copeland was on the real world, wasn't he? Not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, maybe. He was also on uh, Vikings, so I, was I know that. Was, I know that. that. <laughs> yes. Scandinavian real world. Yeah. He was, he was also on the Flash for a good hot second. <laughs> <laughs> so CM Punk. He sits cross-legged like we all know he's familiar to do, sitting in the center of the ring, saying, this is ridiculous. I, I, don't, I didn't believe it when Edge told me that this place was an insane asylum, but he was right. A lot of you think I'm crazy, but I just had Randy Orton and John Cena dead to rights. I, I should be challenging for the WWE Championship. Now, the GM, of course, responds, saying, oh, I, I apologize, Punk, as, as the general manager of Raw and the conqueror of the Nexus, it is my responsibility to treat everyone fairly. And seeing as you've fully recovered from your injuries, I feel inclined to challenge your, your actions for the past several months. Ooh. Even our talent deserve a second chance. Thus, at WrestleMania, you will face the most loyal member of my anonymous regime, Randy Orton. And of course, immediately as he's sitting there, 
Randy Orton goes for a punt kick. <laughs> CM Punk immediately sprints out of there. Because keep in mind, he's been this underdog babyface overcovering these handicapped match odds from this anonymous Raw general manager who seems to have an issue with him looking into who it could be. Who is trying to take him over? And so, just like in real life, we get the CM Punk versus Randy Orton match. It goes pretty much the same result. CM Punk loses to a, you know, countered RKO. But the match ends on CM Punk receiving a punt kick at the end of WrestleMania. Ooh. Now, he does not sustain the injury and just, like, completely go off television. He's relegated back to the commentary desk. Ooh. But... But not really for long. Now, you see, you know, CM Punk's been quite quite rebellious against the anonymous Royal General Manager system. So if you guys remember when Michael Cole was in that box. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do, unfortunately. CM Punk is forced to sit in that box and watch his people like Daniel Bryan, a former Nexus member and sympathizer, gets beaten up unrelentingly. You see your John Morrisons, all your favorite baby faces get beaten up. All these young and up-and-coming talent. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like 2021, if you think about it. But maybe not. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like hitting a little bit close to home. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, his erratic behavior, He's he's got the neck brace on. And it's in the midst of all of this where, you know, WWE's about to cut to backstage that CM Punk basically says on... The headset, I can't do this anymore. And he breaks through the box, essentially. And he gets in the ring. He forcefully grabs a microphone. And he says, you know what? You people have never liked me. Especially you, GM, whoever you are. In fact, when has anybody in this company ever liked me? For years, I've been exploited and undermined for attempting to push positive agendas, being yourself, being straight edge. I have been stuck in limbo. You know, I tried to find the anonymous Raw General Manager, but he doesn't really make a difference anyways. It's going to always just be taken over by him, his the Vince McMahon's stupid son-in-law. It could be taken by anybody. Ooh. You and your doofus son-in-law. <laughs> no matter what I do, I can't even make a decision in this company on my own terms. So if I can't be given my own terms, I guess I'm gonna take them myself. And Punk immediately leaves the ring. He basically leaves WWE for several months. Ooh. Uncontract, nice. still under contract. So if you guys remember the older Pac situation when he mm -hmm. was trying to leave WWE mm -hmm. and what happened with that where they kept extending his contract? That's basically what's happening with Punk. The anonymous Royal General Manager is trying to get him back. But on the same night, a uh, slight change in the plans here. Uh, John Cena beats The Miz at WrestleMania. Woo! Woo! Do, 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 do! <laughs> he did it! He overcame the odds. Yeah! He came he to did. play. He... <laughs> he did come to play <laughs> so that happens and he's defending the title on the first night against 
you know, someone who's been so loyal to the anonymous Royal General Manager, and that's Randy Orton. Way! <laughs> <laughs> More Randy Orton! Hey. More Randy Orton, hey! What could that connection be? <laughs> Who really knows? And so, they have a competitive match, you know how it goes. Cena hits the attitude adjustment, he's in for the cover, the lights go out. <sighs> but we don't really hear the do-do-do that we are well aware of. Ooh. But we do still have Michael Cole saying, Excuse me, I'm about to receive an email from the anonymous Raw General Manager. And as he says that, the lights come out. And, uh, it's the entire Nexus. <gasps> the Nexus... Bam! <laughs> the Nexus have invaded Raw once again. Somehow they got through all the security cameras. They got through all of this stuff that's been looming over Raw to attack John Cena. They have a massive brawl, and we see Wade Barrett, you know, the former leader of the Nexus. Uh, he still has the Nexus armband on him, you know, as a nostalgia thing. Nobody else does, just Wade Barrett. He takes it off, throws it into the crowd. He orders a member of the group, we're going to say Heath, because I like Heath, <laughs> to give him some spray paint. And they mark down the day on John Cena's back, the 31st of May, 2011. No reason? No reason? There could be no coincidence <laughs> to that. But it's there. The next week on Raw, you know, we get the classic. Was it Burn It to the Ground at this point? Yes. Was that? Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, it was. I'm gonna ask you to all stop it. <laughs> what, you don't like my Chad Kroger voice? No, as a matter of fact, I do not. Well, maybe, well, in that, in that bit, you do remind me as the classic Nickelback songs do infer, <laughs> that, you know, we get this intro cut off. And it's that, like, very, like, we're going to say indie camera, your low-budget cameras, to find Wade Barrett and what was probably formerly known as the Nexus, because as we already know, the Nexus have been disbanded. And he starts talking, simply saying, Do you remember us? Over six months ago, you disbanded the Nexus, left us to the wolves. For many, that would be an insult. For us, we took it as a compliment. For while you killed the Nexus, General Manager, you brought upon a much more dangerous and unified force. We are the Nexus no more. At the core, you see what I did there? Hey. We are led by someone even more ruthless. When we came here, we wanted to destroy WWE. We, we had no reason, no motive. We were just a bunch of young guys who felt we were mistreated. However, someone enlightened us. Though we may not be the group we once were, we're still the future of this industry. An industry so fearful of change that it would rather much hide behind a screen than address us directly. Since we have been disbanded, future has become the past, and the past has evolved into the present. So for as long as the manager continues, slander's our name, we shall dissect 
deploy and destroy anything that threatens WWE's true future. If we can't destroy WWE, we'll construct it in our visionary's image. For a second, I thought you were going to say, I'm going to inject. Inject <laughs> 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 <Get> poison. <laughs> So, the group formerly known as the Nexus now have a common goal. It is to discover who the anonymous Raw General Manager is, take revenge for a visionary of some sorts, and through the months and months of TV leading up to the 31st episode of Raw on May. On May, that was a bad way of phrasing it. <laughs> 31st of May. <laughs> we basically get this former Nexus group invading Raw and targeting any piece of technology that is related to the anonymous Raw general manager. Phones, MacBooks, especially MacBooks. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a particular ending angle where they attack John Cena and destroy all of WWE's classic, like, new fancy Titan Trons and those mini Trons that they've got at the bottom. Hmm. And so... Raw goes off the air at that. Of course, by the next week, it's a little bit more back to, you know, the early 2007's Raw, because you got to imagine they have to have, like, a backup set of yeah. some kind. Yeah. So maybe they can forcefully advertise it as old-school Raw. Who knows? <laughs> so at this point, the anonymous Raw general manager is furious. He's lost control of the show once again. He's trying to force everybody to stay in line. And, well... CM Punk is still gone. Hmm. And so, our angle for the end of the 31st of May episode of Raw, it's John Cena realizing after so many months that whoever did this, they're probably the leader of this former Nexus group. So if you're here, I will give you a WWE Championship match at Money in the Bank. So if you want some, come get some. <laughs> That sounded so wrong to say. <laughs> <laughs> and so, there's no music at first as members of the Nexus come out one by one, raising their hands in the air with a very, you know, with the power of hindsight, a familiar logo, one of a fist holding a lightning bolt. They take their armbands, they hold it up to the sky, final one being Wade Barrett. He holds it up. Then, of course, I think you guys could tell by now. Cult of Personality plays. CM Punk has a faction with him. He has gained, to an extent, his own independence, possibly. Who knows? Because now we build to Money in the Bank 2011. John Cena versus CM Punk. Because remember what's happened in real life at this point? <laughs> yep. Yes. 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 CM Punk has his contract expiring soon because, you know, he left for so many months. He says that his contract was initially supposed to expire at a earlier date, but because he ignored so many dates, the authority of this anonymous Royal General Manager kept him in the company. They made him not have his own choice. And then he addresses the people behind him, this former Nexus group that allowed him to make a choice. That he is now redubbed as the new leader of this faction, the Cult of Personality. 
Hey. I like you. <laughs> Go get that money, living color. Go <laughs> get that yeah. back. Get that back. Now, at this point, CM Punk begins to cut his promo saying how, you know, he was one of the very first people to sympathize with the Nexus. Hell, he was the pro of Darren Young. Mm. If, yeah, he was the pro of Darren Young, a guy who, you know, challenged the authority of himself and then later made this group with the Nexus. He understands where he's coming from, being a guy who started out in ECW, going to SmackDown, having to work his way up to the quote-unquote big leagues. So Punk later continues to state, this authority claims that he brought us into this world. But since when the hell does that make you the ruler of this world? Where I come from, rulers aren't decided by words or cheap, tacky emails. They're decided by their actions. And whilst the GM and John Cena were selling t-shirts and garden gnomes, me and my disciples were in the trenches, trying to make a name in a system that refused to accept us. So, if that's their game that they want to play, then I'll play it, pal. And basically, we have our build, which is pretty much similar to what happened in real life CM Punk, John Cena. You don't really need to change it. The context still works here. And, uh, you know, there's the threat of the anonymous Raw general manager in the background. And CM Punk makes a promise that, of course, as he did in real life, he will take this belt all around the world if he wins. Question before yep. we before you continue on, this is fascinating stuff. What do do you honestly think that like John Cena would just would fully accept like a fully malevolent general manager? Like I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. Now he wouldn't, but you have to remember he's the reason that this happened. If he <laughs> goes against his like opinion of this what does that say about the entire roster? Mm. Mm. So, John Cena kind of blindly, not really blindly, he knows what's going on, but if he changes it, what would happen to him, really? Mm. Because you've got to remember, John Cena has been a character that's been on top at this point for close to half a decade. Yeah, yeah at that point, yeah. Why would he want to change it, being as a person who thrives and loves the idea of hustle, loyalty, and respect. Keep in mind the loyalty part. <laughs> he owes WWE his career, pretty much. Yeah. Especially when you yeah. look at real life. <laughs> so, the match happens exactly as it does in real life. CM Punk exits with the WWE Championship, the cult of personality behind him, essentially blocking the fans and getting him through, like, the arena, the security cameras and everything. But that isn't the end of our story. Now, it would be if CM Punk were to just leave completely. You know, he defied the authority. But remember, they wanted to reconstruct WWE in their own image. So... At this point, the cult of personality led by Wade Barrett starts to give demands to this anonymous Raw general manager on weeks and weeks of Raw television that they will return the WWE Championship if the anonymous Raw general manager reveals himself. 
Ooh. Now, at this point, you know, WWE's in chaos. They've lost their flagship championship. Ignore the world title. They've ignored their... <laughs> they've left that out. And essentially, what is there really to fight for in WWE? Your grand prize is gone. This all comes to a head where the Nexus essentially just run roughshod over Raw. For one episode, they take over all of Raw and they start letting these younger talent get their shots. Yeah, Daniel Bryan, because keep in mind, he was part of the Nexus at one point. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, he, gets he his... started choking out Justin Roberts, yes. Yeah, <laughs> he, gets, he gets his US title matches against The Miz, because, you know, Michael Cole would hate that. <laughs> all of this happens, and it comes to a head. We see throughout the weeks CM Punk touring around the world, kind of like, you know, hacking the system of the anonymous Raw general manager to all these local indie shows. And who knows, maybe, just like his pipe bomb, he may have turned up in Ring of Honor. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and the angle ends with Vince McMahon rushing out there, just saying, cut the music, stop all of this. I have had enough. And he's, he, he finally agrees to the demands of the cult of personality and CM Punk himself, saying that he wanted to keep this a secret because, well, if this was revealed, it could damage the McMahon family legacy. And he felt he wasn't ready for it when he was first given a chance at this position. And so he finally reveals now that his authority is now being put into question with this whole cult of personality stuff, the anonymous Raw general manager, it's Triple H. Ooh. Triple H. (laughs) Now, some of you might be questioning why I chose Triple H specifically, because, uh, you know, Triple H is your big, he's Triple H, he's got his, he's got his sledgehammer, why when they try and fight off the next, well, Shane was on holiday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, keep in mind, at the time, you know, we get the reveal of Triple H being the CEO of WWE in the future. Mm-hmm. But in real life, Triple H was starting to transition into that corporate role. He was having big matches here and there, and he mm-hmm. would end up having matches against Triple... Not Triple H. He's having a match against himself. <laughs> it's Triple H versus himself. Finally, the match he's wanted all his career. The most existential wrestling match of all time next to the Firefly Funhouse. <laughs> I would pay good money to see Triple H versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley, very specifically. As I've, said, as I've said to people, if he was willing to accept it a triple h firefly funhouse match would be incredible but it would take an astonishing amount of self-awareness for a company that typically doesn't display it yeah (laughs) okay so as in real life triple h he was starting to get transitioned by vince mcmahon to be more of a corporate figure there were stories going out i think i remember it on talk is jericho he talked about how he kept on getting calls from vince mcmahon to be like hey can you turn up to this production meeting he says, yeah, okay, sure. Then he started to get him to do more and more things. And then, you know, he was given the keys to the kingdom. A chance to lead the McMahon family legacy towards the future. And he realized as those duties came in, he had to begin to step down as more of an active competitor. Because really, 
he believes that he is pushing the future of WWE. And thus, with the reveal of the anonymous Raw general manager being Triple H, and John Laurinaitis being there, there is confidence against the idea of Triple H being a good authority figure. You have John Laurinaitis, you know, swooping in at this point with his people power. And you have John Laurinaitis there, so no matter what Triple H does, everyone is always reminded that it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> and we have this rebellious anti-hero group looking to take over WWE, the cult of personality. We move on from the anonymous Raw general manager story into a freeway power clash. Oh. And that is how I would book the anonymous Raw general manager. Oh. Hey. Now that is so much All right. better than I know we got. said the only way was up, but you kind of ended that one up in the sky. <laughs> Damn, that was good. Oh, kudos to you, Connor. Give yourself a pat on the back. Absolute kudos. Claps all around. Thank you. Good stuff. Good stuff. I just wow. wish, as I said, I just wish it ended as good as it uh, as good I was going to say. Because <laughs> now I've got to let everyone know how the, the anonymous raw general now, manager in the actually real ended. world. <laughs> yeah, yes, in 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 this world, hell world. <laughs> so we come mean... to twenty two. Sorry, sorry, got that. Do you want to hear the alternatives I had for? Who oh yes, please. Oh please, please let yeah. us in on the cutting room floor. Yeah, so I I had planned initially because Dan, you know that I had these ideas about a week before. Yes. So the initial idea was that I was going to drag this out to 2012 as that's kind of where the general manager reveal was for. Mm. Because yep. there's one wrestler who debuts two months before that reveal who I think would have been a perfect case for it. Okay. And he would have been a great aid to John Laurinaitis if you didn't want him to cut promos every day. Mm. Yeah. That's Damien Sandow. Ooh. Good shout, yes. That's a good, good shout. shout because he is the perfect, like, chill heel who could work really well with that yeah and yeah and also and yeah. he was originally sold as being smart yeah so basically basically moriarty i buy that shit i, buy I mean that. yeah as, as as we've established previously here we are big damien sandow marks yeah. oh yeah. we are love but, that dude but what also adds credibility to this is the fact that in his debut match he does not wrestle he comes out he says that he's better than all the fans michael cole blindly obeys him and loves him so much arguably more than the miz you can look mm. it up it's a match against yeah no i know what you mean like he walks away because the last thing i wanted was it to be michael cole that's the <laughs> last person i wanted it see to. now that's that's the cursed booking yeah <laughs> and apparently the original intention Thank God they never did that. Yeah. Yeah, thank God. That would now, have been infuriating. The the other option was actually still gonna be Hornswoggle. Because <laughs> apparently so, because he it does to an extent make sense. Like if you think about the history of Hornswoggle, which by the way, that's a good episode for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a shout to be yeah, honest. That's a know? real that's that's a St. Patrick's Day episode right now. <laughs> St. Patrick's Day next year. <laughs> Hornswoggle was the former son of Vince McMahon. Mm -hmm. Then he was yeah. retconned to be the son of Finley again. <clears throat> then you suddenly explain the fact that he's been trying to prove himself to be a true son of a son of Vince McMahon. Like, he's trying to change his entire attire to the supposed planned mafia outfit. He starts <laughs> yeah, then he joined English. DX. 
Yeah, he did join he did DX, didn't he? he yes, did he that. did join DX. <laughs> he did do that. Lest us never forget the Little People's Court segment. Yeah. Yep, of course. Oh, and of course, the final option I thought of, which was going to be the plan, but I'm glad I changed it now, was going to be Shane McMahon. Ooh. I called it. Yeah. <laughs> I called it. Yeah. It was, it was going to be Shane. But he but, was, he, but he was in China selling on-demand services, yeah, wasn't he? <laughs> he was in China, yeah. and whilst I think like Vince could have made a call to him, which could have been interesting, that the anonymous fraud general manager is live via satellite, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. That, yeah, uh, I don't think it really gave the gravity, and it didn't really give a good entryway for where you could go forward without changing too much. Yeah, like I, I always like to fantasy book, particularly like past stuff. Mm. Without changing too much of the story, yeah. Mm. Because like I still, I still think the punk stuff was really good. Oh, and I felt like you absolutely. So really, all I wanted to do was kind of like supplement that. Mm. And as I was thinking about, okay, so this angle lives and dies by the nexus because when this angle Pretty ends, much. yeah, the GM position just begins to fade out. Yeah. So like, you need to like keep that in somehow in order to keep the goal of the general manager still there mm. and then by the time you get it revealed as triple h you've you've set up the authority figure stuff that you know he was bound to happen literally a couple months later it's it's perfect perfect <laughs> i wouldn't call it perfect but it's somewhere yeah. well it's better than what we got that's the damn yeah better than what we got and what is it that we got now oh gosh all right so we get to 20 back to reality <laughs> after john laurinitis was unceremoniously fired as general manager for both raw and smackdown the <laughs> This began the era of former authority figures guesting as the GM of Raw. We get to the July 9th, 2012 edition of Raw. The bleep returned once more, to much to the chagrin of everyone, as the anonymous Raw general manager oh, booked this episode. <laughs> this one was a strange one, as we alluded to. As Santina Morello, decked out in a deer stalker, a magnifying glass and pipe, full Sherlock Holmesing it up whilst wearing his... Uh, Beware the Cobra Karate Gi t-shirt, I remember that vividly, (laughs) made his mission on this episode to finally discover who the anonymous Raw General Manager is. He based this on a rumour that the GM was in the arena sending the emails. Now, after many, many backstage vignettes of Santino searching the arena, he deduced that he must be under the ring. In a weird segment involving Jerry Lawler and Santino after Michael Cole got his ass handed to him by hand. <laughs> Santino enters the ring, says the GM's hiding under the ring, and after much hijinks, we see, which see Santino being pulled under the ring, saved by Jerry Lawler, the anonymous Raw General Manager re- is revealed to be none other than Hornswoggle. <laughs> Hornswoggle is like the satellite graveyard of WWE. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like when when there's an angle that they're there, they're like, "Well, we need to finish this somehow." May I add, get in Hornswoggle? May I add as well, he was using a portable DVD player as his laptop. Oh, Look, my that's God. just fine details. They'll never notice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thoughts about this one? <laughs> like, 
I mean, it's basically like the it, it's basically two storylines all over again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this angle went nowhere. Magic. We had we had yes. no idea how to figure it out or how to make it make sense. Say it's Hornswoggle. Leave. We're done. Are you happy, people? We finished the storyline. <laughs> what I'm really impressed with, though, is how quick WWE were to retcon this. <laughs> Because it wasn't like it was. Uh, it was only like a couple of months later where Coldswoggle, I believe, would probably have been hanging around with um, with with Slater Gator. Could have been, yes. possibly. And they <laughs> never brought it up again. Nope. <laughs> Which brings us to the last appearance of the anonymous Raw general manager. It's 2014. It's November. Monday Night Raw, Daniel Bryan was guest GMing, stepping in for the authority after they lost control of the show at the earlier Survivor Series. During the hot-dogging and grandstanding of the Yes Chance, those familiar bleeps echoed throughout the arena as the anonymous Raw general manager regained control of Monday Night Raw. The show ends with a cacophony of bleeps Ending the show and a big shit-eating grin on Michael Cole's face. <laughs> I remember that one so vividly because the lights just kept flashing, the bleeps just kept on bleeping, the fans just kept on booing. <laughs> I mean, at least they can kind of laugh at it. Yeah. But that's like a low bar. <laughs> and it's amazing how this ended so abruptly after Cena reinstated the authority a few weeks later yeah so the final question for everyone here what is the lasting legacy of the anonymous okay can i can i manager? can i jump yeah. in on this because i'll yeah, tell you on. what the lasting legacy is no one's ever doing anonymous general manager storylines ever in wrestling history yes that too yeah yeah i mean to be honest I think that's kind of a shame. Mm. No, it's entire. It's entirely possible to do, but it's one of those situations where I think something has genuinely scarred something so much people <laughs> don't want to touch it. Now, yeah, I, I agree with that, but I think for all the hate this angle gets, and I completely understand it. Maybe it's because I've just had to book it and do it for the past <laughs> I don't know how long, but I think. It's actually a really refreshing take on an authority figure. That it's this looming presence that you don't really see, but you know mm. is controlling the show. It's mm. almost as if it was like the creative control thing in WCW, but then it just turned out to be Vince Russo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like like I, again, I don't wanna I don't wanna deny that there isn't good concepts. Yeah. There's good ideas, there's good concepts involved, and like I said, if they went the vein of making it like, you know, this mystery for the fans to solve, that would have been really, really good. Yeah. But they were just like, here's a laptop and people are just going to, every so often, Michael Cole's just going to speak. Uh, and then that will be that. And you just have to deal with it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my in In my experience, I think... The general, the this, the anonymous general manager and the authority are the one-two punch of no more general managers. Yeah. Because, like, apart from William Regal, 
the concept of the general manager is all but dead. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, there are still some companies that keep it up. Hmm. Yeah, I'm specifically in WWE. Specifically, yeah, I say, specifically in WWE, it's basically a, a forgotten concept. <laughs> Which is a shame mm. to be. It's quite a shame because I do like general managers. I well, always it, it's, it's the thing I said to my. It's the thing I said to one of my friends when we were talking recently, because he was kind of like, "Do do wrestling shows need authority figures, or you know, are they better off without them?" Which is, um, there's something that when they're there and they're good, they can add a whole lot to a show. Mm. Yeah. And provide like a really good platform for storylines to start and for things to keep happening. Yeah. When they're I, bad. <laughs> oh, when they're bad, it's it's they. It's bad. They take like, over the damn Really show. bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, with general. I like the, the concept of a general manager because it just kind of it's that kind of that nerdy thing of okay, but who's actually running this wrestling show? <laughs> Well, again, because like, I, I would, I would think for those people that are there and that, and like you know, uh, <laughs> as we've spoken about this week, you know, those uh, the the old the old American guys that uh, insist that the only wrestling that's actually valid is like American wrestling from the eighties, mm. mm. where they're like, surely for you guys who insist that you're the most important people in wrestling would want this because that's realism right sports have commissioners you know you have arbitrators and administrators and managerial people someone runs the show someone makes things happen they don't wrestling shows don't happen out of thin air yeah so I, I and oh, I mean again the, the thing is the WWE went down their whole thing of like the fans of the authority no, <laughs> decision, wasn't it? Uh, remember that? I remember that. You are the authority. No, we're bloody not. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> don't you don't lie to me. Don't lie to my face. <laughs> I mean, looking where Baron Corbin is right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. From like, Constable uh, to on the doll. Aaron Corbin's really a dude really be going through it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and on that depressing note, <laughs> it is time to end this episode. A journey and a freaking half. And I wanna before we get on to my usual ending spiel, I wanna give a massive thank you to Connor for putting the work in with not only the rebooking thank but you, being Connor. on the show as well. Yeah, so good, appreciative of it. Good Thank stuff. Thank you very much. Claps all around. If you do have social medias, which I know you do, and would like to share that with everyone, please, the floor is yours again. Where can we find you on the internet? Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at Connor the Cooper. You can find me on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction. If you like TikTok, you can also find me at Wrestling With Fiction. <laughs> and if you want to listen to me book random stuff like the Rick Roll meme and <laughs> my favorite various... episode. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Rick Roll memes, uh, Samoa Joe, and all other random topics in the world of wrestling. You can find me at Wrestling With Fiction wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, oh, brilliant. No, thank you ever so much, Connor. Seriously do appreciate it. And uh, we're definitely going to have you on again. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion. We're going to have you on again for sure. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. 
Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, dude. Seriously, oh, yeah. absolute pleasure. So, our next episode. It's not been gone for very long, but we are coming back with volume five of Great Wrestlers You Never Knew. And boy, am I excited for this one. It's so good that we started doing the monthly <laughs> <laughs> scheduling. This one is a doozy and a big one for me because I am going to talk about quite possibly my favorite wrestler of all time. Holy shit. Oh yeah, baby. If not first, he's definitely second, that's for sure. Mm, so now I'm intrigued. Look forward to that. The video, of course, revealing who that will be, will probably be up midweek when you hear this. But yeah. Yep. Normally Wednesday, Thursday. From all of us. Instagram, depending if exactly. they play nice with us. Yeah, yeah, copyright and record companies, yes. <laughs> exactly. But from all of us, from me, from Dan Reardon, and from Connor, this has been the Sweet Chinwag Podcast, and we'll see you as ever on the next one. Bye, everybody! Bye!